What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Real Sports Science Podcast. I'm David, PhD student at Loughborough University. And I'm Matt, head strength and conditioning coach within rugby. David, what are we doing here? Well, for anyone new, we're just sharing the highs and lows of our journey as early sports science practitioners. And learning from all the experiences and perspectives of our guests to help us grow in our current roles and careers. That's right. So, hey, if that sounds like you and if it's up your alley, we'd love for you to come alongside and learn with us. For the first time or not, welcome to the RSS podcast. (laughs) Let's go. (laughs) That's good. Welcome back. We're in. We're in. We're in. Oh, that intro was tough. We're trying something different with the intro, aren't we, Matt? Yeah, we definitely are. And that was difficult. My mic's all wet. I mean, that was one take, but it was like 15. One take. Too easy. Too easy. And if, you, and if you're listening to this on Spotify, you didn't see Matt slap himself in the face or eat the mic. 15 times. So we're all good. Or eat the mic. Forget his mic. <laughs> um, we move. So what's the purpose of this <laughs> today's podcast in reality? What is the, what is the purpose? Well, number three in our uh, what episode? No, series one, episode three. Sorry, my yeah, right? my cover actually smells really nice. Consider the place, considering the places it's been in. I mean, like like my bags and like cars and all of that stuff. <laughs> it does smell nice. I went up to Jeez. it. It does smell pretty nice. <laughs> it smells like perfume. You need to stop going for a run. You went for a run before the podcast and you're fried. That's my winter training, mate. And so far, let's just say self-efficacy was low. Oh, <laughs> but you did it. And did it affect performance? That's a question. I think it did. No, series one of <laughs> of wintering. Uh, last week, we had Kate Rooney on, former Denison, which was unbelievable. I've had some good reviews about that one, mostly athletes, some other coaches who've listened to it. And I'm like, listen, we can't take any credit for it, really, because it was just all her. Um, but that was that was amazing. Like, what did you think about it last week? I mean, it was quite interesting to see her side of things and how her views contrasted from an athlete to a coach now. Before, she was just, I don't know, it, it was just interesting to see how she thought about it from those two different perspectives. Um, yeah, that's what I thought as well. It's interesting, like, she said as an athlete, she just, like, kind of went along with what was going on and didn't put too much thought into why. And so I guess now as a coach, she, I guess, is able to maybe understand those athletes who also don't go along or just kind of go along with it. I don't know. It was interesting to hear. Plus, it's just amazing to get someone with so so much experience on the podcast. Especially all the training that she's done, like, what sort of training she was doing as an athlete to now what sort of training she's prescribing the athletes um and also just highlighting the fact how she also witnessed how her body changed during those winter months during that off-season period where Mm. she was actually gaining mass but it wasn't bad mass it was good mass through all the training that she could do without the stresses of competition or the heavy like heavy training schedule of when you're in an in competition phase um, during that off season, where you can yeah. purely focus on raising and increasing those physiological attributes that you wish to develop, um, so it was it was interesting to hear. Yeah. So we thought, yeah. yeah, and if you haven't listened to it, go back and listen to it because it's incredible, and we'd love to know what you think. So if you, yeah, one, if you haven't listened to it, definitely go listen to it. Let us know. Uh, go follow us on Instagram or or 
YouTube. Um, RSS podcast, I think is the handle on both of those or just search real sports science podcast. Yeah. We'd love to hear what you, what you thought of it either on a comment or slide into our DMS. Hey, but yeah, no, and Sorry. this next format we've got, we've got an upcoming guest, but we thought we'd like to split it now and see what the research says, says before speaking to our next. Says. <laughs> Um, now we'd, we'd like to we'd like to just cut this this uh, series in half right now and just before we get into our next uh, two guests we'd like to just see what the research says um, says and uh, yeah see what's out there and see if it changes our thoughts and see if we can learn anything from it yeah yeah because we're nerds at the end of the day so we like to uh, well I guess I was actually thinking, like, is there much, like, research on wintering? Because it's a pretty broad, like, how, my thought was, like, okay, let's go find some research on on wintering or off-season training. And I kind of struggled to think of, like, what do I even type Mm. in? It's, right? So, so I tried, I tried, like, typing in off-season training, research, and most of what I got was, like, Tim Gabbett stuff of like train hard or train smart or like should you train hard and smart which i think we've talked about in an episode a while ago what episode was that i'm not maybe sure, we'll get back to you on that one yeah yeah we have to get back but but i was like oh like where i don't know did you have did you try also to like do or did you have difficulties think, finding research on i think the issue is is wintering's got such a broad term it is such a broad term that it covers a lot of topics that can fit into that because wintering, what are we looking for? Yeah. What is wintering? We're looking for a program or a part of an off season where we can either recuperate. So there's tons of papers on recovery or we can, whether mm. that's sleep, you know, recovery is even a broad term, you know? So what else are we looking for? Yeah. Uh, we're looking at, you know, gaining strength gains, hypertrophic gains. So that's an even bigger broad term. So I genuinely think that wintering slash off season training is essentially a massive umbrella term that has got everything inside. So I feel like in its simplest form, it's just a time where your season's less congested, where you've got a break to either, depending on how you're feeling, rest or to get that mahi, get that work. So it's, yeah, put put scientifically. Yes. What was that word that you said? Mahi, hard work. What's that? Hard work. Means hard work. It means hard work. In what language is that hard work? You're just not going to answer me what language that is. <laughs> just silence on your end. Just radio silence from Matt. Oh, he's Maori. it. Maori. <laughs> oh, you said it wrong. Maori. <laughs> Maori. It's so what language? You still haven't told me what language it is. That's Maori. Hiwi, New Zealand. The native people. Oh, I Maori. thought you were saying the word again. Wow. Oh. <laughs> That's That's Anyways. Da- no, but David, back <laughs> to back to the research. Please hold while Matt puts on a blazer. Back to the research. Feeling smart already. <laughs> David, what is self-efficacy? <laughs> I don't smoke, but I'd love to have a pipe uh, right now. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny uh um well yeah that's that's a good point there's it's like a huge it's too big to have maybe have research on it directly 
but there'd be so many things that fall under winter training that maybe you would research to help winter training. Yeah, so one that I came across, uh, which I've been reading, is is a study on examining athlete self-efficacy and during strength training and the effort that they give or the perceived effort, not only from them, which is interesting, but also their coach during an entire off season. So basically like how does effort, how does efficacy change during an off season and does it influence the effort that an athlete gives during an SNC session session? Session. session. He said session. Yeah. When you sent this paper to me, I was actually quite intrigued because yes, I'm already using big words. Eh? There's coats doing me wonders. <laughs> um, I was actually intrigued, uh, David Holmes. Um, <laughs> that uh, I was actually intrigued because I thought it's not looking at a certain sessions you know like maybe one or two sessions it look it's looking at the whole off-season period which actually you can yeah. see more because you can if, if we are only testing for one session it's easy to get up for that one session or not get up for that session what's interesting right. is the fluctuations yeah. that you may see whether is it going to be the start you know because as you over 21 days you build a habit so maybe the start's going to be crap, but like maybe you'll see the self-efficacy rise towards the end of it, or does it happen towards mm. the end when they get bored and they can't just carry on? So it was it was interesting. Those yeah. are my thoughts. Yeah. So basically, like basically, I these papers. I mean, it's it's very psych psych sports psych, which I'm not a sports psych. So these papers are sometimes a tough read because I'm just not used to <laughs> reading them, and they use big words. <laughs> that neuromuscular physiologists just don't have in their vocabulary. And they, you know, like they, they're talking about what tests they're doing yeah. and stuff. And I'm like, I have no idea what this is. So it's good. Puts me outside of what I know, but so self, and it also just, just teaches me big words and what they mean, like self-efficacy, uh, which I think like a lot of people, me included would hear self-efficacy and be like, Oh yeah, I know what that means. But if anyone ever asked me before having this paper in front of me, like, what is the definition of self-efficacy? I would probably, I wouldn't be able to just rattle it off. No, I, I, a genuine self-efficacy you know I mean? to me is one's self-perceive or like it's, it's one's motivation that like I couldn't, I couldn't, do you know what I mean? Like I just say, oh, it's, it's yeah, one's motivation So I would do the do exact same thing. I'd be like, Yeah. Right, like I would, I'd probably not get far off it, but I wouldn't mm. be able to be like, bam, here's a, a well-rounded definition. So, what, so this yeah. paper defines it as, as the belief in one's capabilities to organize and execute the course of action required to produce given attainments. I prefer. So my basically, one. how confident are you? Yeah, me too. <laughs> me too cut right to the chase basically how confident are you in your ability to get whatever it is you need to get done done <clears throat> yeah is that, is that yeah good? no 100 percent. and then and then basically they say um self-efficacy is theorized and i'm i'm reading directly off the paper now so these aren't my words to be formulated from so four sources mastery or ex mastery experience so you've done it a ton of times so you know you can do it vicarious experiences or viewing another individual succeeding or failing 
so just watching people and you're like, okay, I can do that because they can do it. Or they, or maybe it's like, oh, I see them, how they've done it and they failed. So I know I don't do it like that. Um, social persuasion, which I think is a really interesting one, or being told by a significant other that one has, that you have the ability to be successful. I think that's really interesting. And then a physiological state or interpreting the body's physiological reaction or state as being either positive or negative, which is also a really interesting one in, in like the areas that I um, interact with athletes. Do any of those like kind of jump out at you? Cause those last two kind of really jump out at me. And as I've been thinking about it over the last couple of days of like how, how even like I can use that knowledge well, I, I feel like the, see it in rugby, like the vicarious experiences of viewing another individual succeeding or failing. I'd say my past experiences, not now as much, but like in the past when two rugby teams, so the first team will get selected for the Saturday and the people will see that the people that don't get selected for that weekend still have to play like run defense for the team that's going to play as a nice little warm up. And mm. some people react in a way where, okay, like I'm happy for the bloke, you know, let's, I want to make them train hard so then they can get it right on the weekend. Whereas other words will, other people will react uh, negatively. Um, and like, the, as it says, like what viewing another individual succeeding or failing, they'll see them as succeeding. They'll react and think, okay, I'm going to carve out this bloke, not in a positive way, if you get me to try and injure him so that he can get through. Mm. And then the other one was social persuasion savage being in the environment that i work in whenever asking uh in an athletic development session with the youth athletes whenever giving them good feedback you have to be you, you don't have to be too strict on when to give good feedback but it is a skill to identify when to when to reassure an athlete or when to push them a bit harder a youth athlete uh, which is something by no means i have not mastered um but yeah i have noticed a couple of those in different ex I have experienced those in different in scenarios or instances. Um, so it is, it is quite mm. interesting to see how that makes up self-efficacy and how that can influence one, uh, an athlete going through something or given a task. Yeah. 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 So basically like this, this study. Um, so yeah, they had a bunch of definition, but what they were interested again is like, how does self-efficacy one change during an off season? And then how does, is there like a relationship between a change of self-efficacy and then performance, but not only performance, also like effort. It's like what you're saying. Like if, if I, if my self-efficacy is down for whatever reason, say like I didn't get selected for a team, mm. does my training decrease or does it increase? Um, like what, you know, I get like, they gave an example here. Like if, if my self-efficacy is super high, because I know that I can do this task. Am I going to try as hard to do it? Because I'm like almost over, like overconfident in my abilities. Whereas like maybe I got that self-efficacy because I was training really hard and I was really working really hard to be able to get that performance that gave me that self-efficacy in yeah. the first place. So I thought that was really interesting. Or, and then on the other hand, is low efficacy going to cause me to put more effort in because I want to get better at this task. Bit of a minefield. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah so I, one, one interesting thing that, that they found 
in this one is um, they they found that over the course, like you said, it's interesting because uh, they followed these, I think it's 99 athletes, followed them for, um, in four sports. Yeah, 99 athletes in Division One in the States in four different sports, um, about 20 years old. And they measured in four distinct time points during the off season, as well as the strength and conditioning coaches also rated each individual's effort at each time point so it wasn't only which like good at each yeah with each time point the athlete was like i think i tried this hard the coach was like i think they tried that hard and then they averaged those two numbers to give them like an effort skill which is which is also very interesting i haven't seen that before i, I don't know i um, quite like that as a way to as a way to measure it um <clears throat> but then you are dealing with conflicts of interest i guess i think it's good yeah because it takes it like it gives it from a subjective and an objective mm. point of view yeah as well both at the same you know time. yeah um yeah and they actually found that that in this case over a full season self-efficacy didn't have a significant impact on effort which is interesting i thought they would show the different but maybe it's because like i'll get back to that i'll get back to that Firstly, what they found. So they found, yeah, that effort or that self-efficacy didn't have a um, significant impact on self-efficacy, uh, on effort. Wow, talking in circles. But what I did think was interesting that over the course of the season, uh, effort went down. Over the course of um, an off-season. So over the course, so they they perceived and the coaches, strength and conditioning coaches, perceived them working harder at the beginning of the off season or on that first session than they perceived themselves and others working at the last session. Which I thought, which I thought was interesting, um, and I, and they mentioned this as well, but I don't know if it's like what you said, like they just got used to kind of the environment that they were in. Like in that first session, you know, it's like the first session, maybe they don't know that strength and conditioning coaches as much. It's like, hey, we like everyone's fired up. we got to give 100 percent effort. But then over the course of the season or those four testings, like distinct time points when they tested. Um, it's like, OK, I'm, I'm used to this. Like I'm not as almost like scared, not scared. That's not the right word. But like I have all this motivation because it's in a new environment. Do you think that's a? Do you think like that's a, a plausible thing, or, or so. that that happens? I think it's also you know like I mean, how many times say we'll, we'll do we'll use this in a term uh, or in a in an example that we've both done before. You know when you go for a run, and you're in a new environment, uh, or, or you go for a run and you've done this run two or three times, and you're like, okay, I know the course now, I know where I where I start gassing out, I'm gonna hit that point and I'm gonna stride and I'm gonna get better. Once you've done that run 11th time, you're like, okay, you know, and you sort of see a plateau, you can either go one or two ways. Hey, so I wonder if they hit a plateau at a certain point and they were like, you know, I'm comfortable mm. in my environment. I know that all the ins and outs, I know what I'm in for. It's not a surprise. I don't have to impress him. I don't have to impress anyone. I know how to ride it because I'm sure you've done this. You know, when you're hitting 
you you find cheat codes as an athlete or or as someone involved in the sport you find cheat codes once you're used to something don't have to because there's only one person that loves hard work and that's david goggins in my opinion right but um and that's 24 7 <laughs> he's gonna let the boss. Yeah, you know what i mean and that's 24 7 but everyone else there's it, it you you your brain automatically does it in a way that you're like why would I want to try gas out or use as much energy? It's a natural instinct to find the cheat code. Yeah. Primals. I'm sure they were like not trying to, okay, how can I work the hardest to get my food? No. How can I easily get food? You know, so everyone tries to fight cheat yeah. codes. So I wonder if they're they spending that, like the least amount of energy. Amount of energy. Yeah, so I wonder if that was a thing. Mm. Um, and yeah, just getting comfortable in your environment. That, that could be it. But it's also the, what are you working for? Like that one, you, when you're in in-season training, you go hard in the gym because you know the big game's coming up this weekend and you're going to win that game. You win that game next week. Okay, we'll run a bounce. You're not winning games. It's that constant rewarding feedback. I don't know what the proper terminology is, but say you're in off-season, tra- tra- uh, off-season training, got a big off-season block during mm-hmm. the winter. There's no, there's no rewardable factor coming in play. It's just you going week in, week yeah. out to the gym. Next week, what we're doing? Oh, there's no big yeah. game to get out for. There's no different environment you're being put in, whether that's mental environment or like a physical environment setting. No, it's just the same same four walls, same scenario, maybe different sessions. Yeah, it's a bit of a drag, but, isn't it? Do you know it? what I mean? It's like, yeah. okay, my weights are going up yeah, by two if, kilos, yeah. but I'm putting all this work in. Yeah. Or, do you know what I mean? So maybe it's that as well. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Yeah, and, and also, like, I don't know if they did it this... It's something that just thinking off the back of what you said, I don't know if they did it in this one. I don't think they did. Um, is actually measure like performance. Like what are they actually lifting in those sessions where they're saying they're not working as hard or harder? Um, a couple of things that came to mind as well. Like when you're saying, yeah, you're right. Like we're, we're testing them in a whole off season. What if, and, and Kate kind of mentioned this last week as well of like, I think perceived effort, or perceived outcome from a session can be so dependent on how that session went. You know, like, like she was saying, some of her, some of her vaulters like have not the greatest session. And then they're like, they're really down on themselves and think, you know, this whole off season's been for nothing because of this one bad session. So like, you know, maybe on, maybe as you're going through that wintering, like you said, you'd have no other than like the season coming up, you have no, you know, bigger kind of motivations, or not as big as like in season you're training for whatever three months, mm. four months you're tired. Maybe like you have fatigue. So maybe things aren't going as well in different areas of your training because you're tired. Or even if they are going well, you don't feel as good doing them because you're exhausted. So, and then maybe you then rate yourself as like maybe not putting in as much effort because effort to you has always meant like more effort always means higher performances for you maybe. So like if you don't get that performance that you're looking for, efforts like, oh, I must have not tried hard or whatever. Actually, you mentioned what Kate said about how one session might affect um, a person's self-efficacy in the past. And actually they, they raised a point where, here where said, in particular, previous researchers have found that a subject's past performance will be the direct cause of his or her future self-efficacy levels. However, in this study, right. they found that it was... They didn't yeah, find. They didn't it. find it. Like past performances they didn't, find didn't it impact yeah, future, future self-efficacy. Yeah, yeah. Which is really, which is, 
which goes. But then that's. But I I feel like this is know, difficult I, because it's, that seems strange though, doesn't but, it? But I don't know because think about how complex the human brain is, right? Think about in the sense where it is it is this this thing up just in here. Just deep it, just deep it. Very crazy, <laughs> but no. Um, haven't you been through a crap session the day before, and experienced this both ways? Next day you're like, oh, I can't be asked. Look, I don't want it. like coach has told me I'm not playing. Mm. I can't be asked. But then you have a day where the next day you're like, oh, you know what? I'll, I'll you know, I'm, I'm up for this. I'm going to make a change. I'm going to make a change. But then another day you're like, oh, it's training mm. and there's nothing. I've experienced all of those different yeah. types through whatever it is. Yeah. So that's why it's 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 a bit like you're right. I I I do and I don't agree with both those studies those conclusions that they've drawn because sometimes i can see it affecting it's, it's just difficult this is where sports psychology is so difficult because you react to things differently to how i would react to things we may align on some things mm. but on a different day we wouldn't align on other those same things do you get me yeah. that's where that's where it gets yeah. difficult. you're saying like one day yeah you're saying like i might have a terrible session and because of whatever state i'm in i'm like that fires me up yeah. for tomorrow because yeah. i'm going to crush tomorrow or it might just, for whatever reason, because um, other stuff maybe isn't going as well in my life, I might be like, oh, I'd be super down. Yeah, that's why. That's why it's, it's so it it is, difficult. But yeah, it's an it's, interesting paper, yeah, and it's, it's good true. that they've gone out there and you know carried carried this research out because it is a stepping stone to understand. What, because now we know, like they found that towards the end is where it's um you need that initial research to then start drawing some theories or making theories or drawing conclusions from what they found because yeah for what our hypothesis before going into this study i thought well it could be at the start and it could be at the end i wonder what they found you know so it is very interesting Mm -hmm. um and yeah i think i guess as well like even even the effort even if it even if it's like um perceived effort i guess that's an that's important as well because that's a drag. So if we know perceived effort might be decreasing as we're going, like how is a scientist can I really start making sure that I'm, or like a SC coach, or if I'm doing a session with an athlete, make sure that I'm really bringing the energy, like looking at ways that I can say they think they're having a bad session or they had poor a poor effort. How can I feed back to them in a way that actually, if it was a good effort, be like, no, actually that was great. Mm you know, or, or then if it really wasn't like, how do we then um, support that athlete so that they feel good about their efforts? Yeah. You know, I had a really interesting one that comes to mind this past weekend with an athlete and that I was giving like some physiology support to. We did the session and after the session, they felt like they didn't have a good session. Like they came away from it and afterwards and reflected on a bit and actually felt like, I'm actually pretty disappointed about how that went. I thought that I would have done better. And then, so maybe they thought, you know, like, I didn't really try hard or I haven't been trying hard enough in training. And I really had a really good conversation with the leads of the, of the, of the program. How can I, of like how to feed back to that athlete in a positive way so that that session isn't a bad session. Mm. And, you know, that doesn't mean that, the last three, four weeks have been bad or the next three, four weeks ahead need to change. But actually like, how do we educate and how do I support that athlete in that moment? And also like off the back of it to make sure that we're getting positive feedback so that we're, that we're, because for me, it was like that 
that like his what I thought and what he, what the athlete thought was like astoundingly different. I guess like if we know that f or perceived effort levels decrease, how can we support them to make sure that that they're still feeling good about their training, especially towards the end? Because like then we're starting to come into season and we want them feeling good as they're kind of putting the last few weeks of the building blocks going into a season. Like you don't want to be feeling terrible going into that. Mm. Right? And and I mean bringing it back to the paper, one thing they said as a practical application is that. You know, coaches should structure the environment to allow for mastery experiences, which was one of the self-efficacy points. Um, yeah. <laughs> oh, no. uh, I thought you said something. Your mouth was like open and I was like, um, yeah, so that's that's one of their practical applications. And I guess what this paper can say is that don't let it become stagnant, depending because every, every athlete is going to have an up and down sort of day. Um, and mm. what they found is that at the end of this, they didn't find that self-efficacy had a play on the next session that was coming up. So using their their findings, mm. you can say, well, hopefully there's not going to be that much of an influence on the next session that they're going to have. How do we help them master that skill or master through experience that of that skill? Um, just keep it keep it ever moving, like keep it in a way that it's not good. You're, you're growing to that next step to learn that new skill. So say if they you by the end you want them to do clean and jerk or, or a clean uh, you want them to do a 2000 kg clean all right well you're not just going to do clean and cleans for four months or, or however long your off season period is you'll split it up they use this uh, this example there you'll split it up into a high hang clean or you know like a clean pool and then you're going to work to where a point where you can master that skill and bring it all towards the end to get that goal so at least they know they're hitting different yeah. parts and then they're bringing it all in it's a difficult yeah, that winter month is difficult because this hasn't even spoken about the. It's it's just an off season, you know. It's just that that time where you're recuperating. There's so many different factors that can affect it, but yeah, that's one of the things they put out in their practical applications. This one just kind of, I guess, opened my eyes of like things that may be going on, which is one of the things that I think. Well, why we wanted to do this series for me is one of the things I wanted to get out of it is like how can I support athletes better in this kind of season. And I think a big part of that for me is like understanding or being aware of some of the problems that might come up. And one of them is like, you know, if, if athletes, like you said, it's tired and exhausted. And so they are perceiving their efforts as poor. Yeah. And because of that, they're, you know, maybe a bit frustrated or like, Oh, why am I not doing well? And actually it's because of X, Y, and Z, like, like fatigue or whatever. Like we did this test on a different day or in a different environment and, or like there's just error or whatever, like, you know, but obviously they're coming at it. For, it's, they're too close to it, obviously, because they're so emotionally invested because it's their training. Mm. And then how do we, I guess, like one of one of them is there uh, were the two that I thought were interesting of like this four sources of self-efficacy is, is the being told by a significant other. Right. So for me, it's like me as being the significant other as like there's a part of their support team. So then for me, it's like important. Okay. How do I build a relationship with this athlete that that's strong and, and so that I can kind of speak into that, into that environment. And if I'm not, because like, obviously, or at least I guess like for you, I guess as a SNC coach in a rugby team, you're around kind of the same athletes where for me, some, some of the athletes that I work with, I'm, 
like I see them every week, but sometimes if it's like a camp, then athletes who are based not in Loughborough, I just see them on that camp and I might see them once a year or twice a year. So in that case, it's like, okay, well, you know, they don't really know me maybe over the years they will, but in this moment, they don't really know me. So, you know, I'm not in that level that I could speak as, as impactfully into that situation. So in that case, it's like, how do I talk to people who are in the support team who are maybe coaches or other physiologists who could maybe then like basically relay that information to them, I think is, is really interesting. And then also the physio, the physiological states or interpreting the body's physiological reactions as either positive or negative. And I think for me, especially in physiology, that would come back to how am I educating the athletes in in the short time that I'm seeing them, how can I bring across like what this means? Cause I think athletes and some athletes in particular can be so focused on the numbers. And if they don't, you know, they can kind of like zone in on this one number that, you know, that number specifically wasn't as high or as low as they were hoping it to be. But for me, it's like, well, actually, if we take a step back and look at the whole test or the whole th- all the numbers together, actually you're in a really good spot. And this is exactly what we would imagine it to be. You know what I mean? So it's like, again, how do I, how can I educate the athletes or, or coaches or whatever to, um, to again, like, I guess bring, uh, to feed, to get that feedback or give that feedback in the most impactful and positive way possible. Um, I think this, this paper just like opened my eyes to to that and thinking about what we talked about with Kate last week as well. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. Yeah, no, it was it was it was a good paper. It was a good paper, and it made me ask questions on like how how important is like an off season period or like a little break. Um, and as you said to the being going back to the beginning of this podcast, it made me look at some other papers. Um, and one paper I found that's just like a little bite size. A little snippet um, of research is one that said that so elite football teams that do not have a winter break lose on average 303 players player days more per season to injuries than those teams that do. So it's 35 a comparison of 35 professional European teams over 2010 2011 season to 2016 to 2017. So a total of 155 team seasons essentially through like the teams they've done. Right. And what they found is, so these are the results. Let me read them to you. This doesn't look mental at all. So 9,660 injuries were reported during 1,447,011 exposure hours. English teams that had no winter break scheduled in the season calendar the other European teams had a mean winter break scheduled for 10 days. So on average, it was 10 days. Teams without a winter break mm. lost on average 303 days more per season due to injuries than teams with a winter break during the whole season. So essentially, what was found was that teams without a winter break also had a higher incidence of severe injuries than teams with a winter break during the whole season. So we're looking at 2.1 severe injuries more per season for teams without a winter break. And 
shortening, another paper found that shortening of the winter break from 6.5 to 3.5 weeks was not associated with a change in the overall injury risk in the top two, uh, in the two top male football leagues. So showing like if, if it's six weeks or if it's three weeks, there's not, not much of a difference there, but it shows that still something so is something. Do you yeah. know what I mean? So it was quite interesting. To so, see. so three weeks is better than zero weeks, but six weeks isn't better than three weeks. Three weeks. Yeah. So it's, and I wonder that goes into actually too long of rest could actually be detrimental because you're getting to a point where what are you doing in that rest? Are you doing nothing? Because if you're doing nothing, then your body's right. ramping itself back up again for another big in season. You want a short break to allow your body to recuperate, but you don't want a too long of a break before your body's yeah. like, going like okay we can relax now and then you're going back in suddenly like holy smokes here we go we're back up again and then the injuries yeah. just and also and also then you're cutting the time you have between like starting the off-season yeah. training while well, winter training to like the start of the season because now you have three less weeks 100 that's a balance and then and i wonder if it just changes between like sports and between individuals i'm sure and one thing I've, as well one thing that was um thought about was the climate obviously european winter is different from england during winter um, but apparently climatic region had no significant significant impact on the association between winter breaks and injury burden for any of the four periods studied. Um, last last little stat, the mean injury burden was That's 185.9 days um, for teams without a winter break and 127 for teams with a winter break. So it's not too drastic. Like it's, it's, it doesn't sound too drastic. If you get what I mean, but that's per thousand mm. per thousand hours. Um, but it doesn't sound too drastic, but it is quite drastic if you break it down. Like, what's that? Fifty. Also, that fifty. Blah blah blah. Say that again. Say that again. So it's it. How? What were the numbers per thousand hours? So one hundred eighty-five point nine days. Without? That's for teams without a win, without a winter break, and then teams with a winter break yeah. got one hundred twenty-seven days lost. So 57 days more without a break but, per so, thousand hours. So essentially, and is that per thousand? Sorry, sorry. And that's like per thousand hours for not per team, but like per player, right? It's per thousand hours of training. Essentially, it's yeah. So they would like say 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 like a, a team had 20 players and they mm -hmm. all trained one hour. That's 20 hours yeah. of training so essentially 1300 yeah. days lost per season for teams with a without a winter break and 888 days lost per season for teams with a winter break right yeah which is yeah so when you break it down into like per hour per hours it doesn't seem like a big mm -hmm. thing but like the amount of hours but in a season are, in a season you're looking at a, you know what i mean yeah like what that's that's nearly 500 you know 400 or so days for a whole season yeah obviously and that's only those are, obviously yeah that's, that's only in teams, one season but yeah that's that's ridiculous <laughs> think about how many days you need yeah. those athletes to be there for so it is it is interesting to see how because i mean i remember in rugby some there's like um boxing day games in football so you're playing on the 26th yeah. there's no break whereas other teams you get a break and it shows how important that off season or that break during winter is because of all the external stuff yeah. you're looking at the climatic effect of it as well um yeah 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 it's just yeah it's just another thing to consider but yeah that's what the research says hey hey yeah it means like that that means that every hour there's 
there's 0.05 more injuries in the one group. That's, I just divided it by a thousand. So it's not that exciting, but <laughs> 1000 hours just sounds like a lot. You know what I mean? Yeah, so hearing that it's only 57 more, it's like, mm, that's not that many, yeah. but then when you either like scale it up to a full, like what is in a full season, because a thousand hours just sounds like a lot, but like how, how many hours is in one season? Yeah. A ton, right? Enough for there to be <laughs> 300 different, like a different 300. Yeah. So that's hectic. It is or hectic. you just bring it down to one hour, which is then like, I understand what one hour is. Mm. If someone told me a thousand hours, I'd be like, I don't know what that is. Yeah, it's it's quite hectic. Like I know what it, like I I know what a thousand is and I know what hours are, but I have no like, I can't picture that. You know what I mean? It's like if someone says like, like a hundred million dollars. Like, what is that? I know it's a lot of money, but I can't picture what that looks like. This is what it looks like, mate. A couple of these bad boys. <laughs> a couple of fancy cars. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. That is in- it's interesting, and I think, yeah, for me again, it's just like how do you support athletes in this time, and then how does that change per athlete? And for me, it's just like being aware of things that might be happening, and how can I, how can I then like, um, just influence those times, or how can I just be aware of things that might happen, and how can I help, or how can I like direct people who are more close to that athlete? Yeah in the best way possible and, so and it'll be definitely interesting with our upcoming guests because let's just say they're a bit of a different sort of athlete that we're normally used to yeah and it'll be it'll be interesting yeah so it'd be good to get like just different experiences um different contexts which would be really cool yeah 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 nice sweet um oh yeah yeah no well, nah, all good all good go ahead no 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 no, no. all good all good, all good, all good. <laughs> Um, but yeah thank you for listening to today and um, yeah we hope you learned a bit along with us and we hope you look forward for next week's it's all you're about to fall asleep no mate no (laughs) No, it was good it's um it was good yeah sorry mate step count's gone crazy guess how many steps I've done how many steps you've done? Yeah. 7,400. Holy smokes. 7,833. Yeah, it's not, not good at all. <laughs> no I, I way. Knew as soon as, soon as I said guess. it, I thought he's either going to be very kind to me and say a big number or he's just going to say what I've actually done. Um, yeah, that was very well, good. That's a phenomenal guess by me. Good. My goodness. Yeah. No, but we hope you enjoyed it. And again, like, go follow us on Instagram. Let us know what you think. We have an email as well, which I think we've gotten one email to, other than junk email, which we get all the time. But like, let us know what you think. Comment on our on our reels that we post because we, yeah, we'd love to know what you think. Have you gone through something similar? Uh, yeah, we'd love to hear from you. Go follow us along, and if you have been following, we really appreciate it because it's it, you know I I think you and I really enjoy doing it because for for me it just like gets me into papers that I wouldn't usually mm. read. But obviously, you know, if we can build a little community of young sports scientists who are just trying to learn a little bit, that'd be amazing. And uh, yeah, hopefully we can just kind of help each other along as we as we yeah, as we grow and and gain new experiences. So, yeah, let us know. 
Matt, do you have anything uh, that you want to add to that? No, I love everyone and all you lot that listen over. Love you. <laughs> Matt loves everyone. And on that note, <laughs> Matt, take us this out. This has been the RSS Podcast. We're out. Sweet. That's good stuff. People I love everyone. I never took a wicked